Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. I am Robert Winfrey. I am your host, and I'm going to apologize off the bat. I tweaked my back the other day. Sucks. And so I'm, if I'm a little cranky or a little bit loopy, I, I'm blaming that. But hopefully I can, you know, I'll, I'll gut through it for you guys because I don't have anything better to do on a Sunday evening than record this show at the moment. So tonight on the docket, we have a review of last night's UFC on ESPN plus 10. If you are surprised that there was a card on Saturday, you're not alone. There was almost no promotion for this event. Uh, very, very little. So I I don't blame anyone for not being aware of it, but we'll go over it. Uh, it was was all right. Uh, largely unspectacular, but wasn't the worst. And at this point, I'll just take the six hours of kind of, all right, fine, as opposed to six hours of, dear God, why won't this end? Now, there's also the news. Uh, the UFC continues to expand its Hall of Fame class for 2019. Uh, related to that uh, UFC on ESPN Plus 10, we had a fight fall through because of a failed drug test. Uh, we've had some other issues, some other fights fall out, and a few fights get announced, so we'll go over all that per usual. Uh, here with me as most of the time, I can't say always, but almost always, my regular partner in crime and advocate for the works of ryan reynolds in all places jeff harris is with us jeff how you doing good evening everyone i'm jeffrey harris and if you're only going to watch one dark fantasy show tonight make it goblin slayer it's streaming free on crunchyroll right now you all know what i'm talking about secondly i'm still waiting on the props that i'm due from robert winfrey that he has not given me yet so we're going to get those props today the props i mean, are coming. i don't have any props around me to give you but you, you are going to give me props robert you what, owe for, me props for bringing up the possibility of edgar and holloway last week yeah. yes yeah you did and that's the direction they're going as of this particular moment i i said i said that was going to happen i said volkanovsky fight was not going to happen i was right i imagine i imagine volkanovsky will get the winner of this fight I didn't. I honestly. It didn't makes sense. It. it makes sense. So you would imagine it. You would assume it. But we cannot assume what makes sense in this sport anymore. No, Zabit will beat another can, and then they'll catapult him into the title picture for reasons. We'll and get anyway. We'll get to that later. History is, history is on my side. Oh no! The, look, the UFC does not, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, conform to things that make sense. So I want my props for pointing this out. I had forgotten about the existence of Frankie Edgar after he disgusted me as a human being. Congratulations. What did he do? Did he, did he write a, a book that was worse than Matt Hughes' autobiography? There is no way anyone could write a book worse than Matt Hughes' autobiography. Well, then what did, what did Frankie Edgar do to piss uh, he's, he's palling around with Ramzan Kadyrov. And that oh, disgusts me. Oh, one of those kind of... Uh, Warlord dictator types. Yeah, I mean, who only you know has a has a governmental policy of torturing homosexuals to death. I mean, hasn't Conor McGregor done something similar? Yeah, and it disgusted me when Conor did it. And look, I give I don't like it when someone like Khabib does it. Khabib also lives next to the guy. 
Like there's genuine ramifications if you are if you live within that area for pissing off people like Kadir, for pissing off murderous dictators. I, I understand that. I don't know that. too much about the Edgar situation with Ramzan Kadyrov. He did it because his manager told him to. Well, and his manager's I mean, a scumbag I too. Mean, let's be honest. Ali Abdelaziz is not the most, let's say, sterling representative of this sport. I think you would agree with that. You put that about as kindly as it can be put. Uh, anyway. And I like Frankie, so it disappoints me to hear, you know. I got pissed off when Verdum did it again. I, I understand someone like, again, Khabib, because that guy might have the political reach to have you killed. If you live in Jersey, I don't think you have an excuse. But, but other fighters have, like, I think John Jones, Frank Mir. Oh, yeah, a lot of them took Biden money from this guy. Have, you know, accepted, like, the red carpet treatment from dic- basically dictators. Oh, yeah, he's a dictator. Um... And such. I, mean, I don't like it when any of them do it. I mean, look, I gave up hope on John Jones as a human being a long time ago. Like, I care about him in the cage, that's it. <laughs> All right. And then Fabricio doing the same thing just well, doesn't look, really surprise Frankie me. Getting, Frankie is likely getting the title shot. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the details about what card that's rumored to be on and whatnot in a bit. But, uh, but let's at least... Rafael Dos Anjos and Kevin Lee did have a good fight last night. So there's that. Yeah, it wasn't that bad uh, as far as main events go. So yeah, the main event, Kevin, excuse me, Rafael Dos Anjos defeats Kevin Lee via arm triangle choke in the first, fourth round, excuse me, not the first. Uh, I had Dos Anjos up three rounds to none going into the fourth. I, uh, I don't think I was in the majority there. I think there were a few people who gave Lee. I think I gave Lee the first. There's an argument for him taking the first. The first was a close round. I, I felt like, honestly, I felt like a couple of those rounds were close-ish, but I leaned toward Dos Anjos. Yeah, if Lee had, I mean, realistically, if Lee had been able to do anything more effective with his time holding Dos Anjos against the fence, I would have given him those rounds. He, he, he was not effective against the fence. But he really I, struggled to get... Dos Anjos ended up sk- scoring more takedowns, did he not? Oh, yeah. Uh, Dos Anjos got five, I think. Yeah. Four he or five. Tried, he tried the pressure game in the first round, which we talked about last week. But I wouldn't say Lee is a bad gas tank, but he couldn't maintain that pace past the first round. Yeah. I, uh, again, there's a, at, at 155, he pretty clearly had gas tank issues. At 170, I think he just overestimated what he was capable of. Right. Or underestimated the resistance that Dos Anjos was going to put up. Because he went really hard in those first that first round and a half. He was he was really going after Dos things. Dos Anjos looked really good. He looked about as good as we've ever seen him last night, too. Yeah, he he did a good job avoiding being taken down. He you know, didn't get phased too much by the punches he got hit with. He fought. I mean, he has a great clinch striking game. It's uh, the Robbie Lawler fight being the best example of it. He just does really solid work from the clinch when you give him anything approaching the and, time and space to do so. And he's very well rounded. That's another thing. Yeah, he has really good takedowns. I mean, again, this is the most takedowns that Kevin Lee has given up ever. 
Uh, and Lee's a wrestler. By trade, yeah. Uh, so I, I enjoyed the fight for what it was. It wasn't the flashiest fight, but these were two high-level guys who very clearly had their particular game plans. And in the case of Dos Anjos, he just had a better one and was able to implement it better. He just kind of let Kevin Lee really fight hard for about seven and a half minutes and then tire himself out. And then capitalizes the fight kept going on. Uh, I mean, this still doesn't put Dos Anjos back in the title picture yet. He's going to have to fight again. Uh, I don't know who. I've seen Leon Edwards kind of tossed around. Leon Edwards makes a lot of sense right now, actually. Yeah. Because Dos Anjos has those two back-to-back losses, you know? And I mean, and true, and it's both a blessing and a curse that it's to Covington and Usman because you've lost to the number one and number two guy, basically. Mm-hmm. But you've also lost to the number one and number two guys. Um, you could do Stephen Thompson. You could do Darren Till. Uh, yeah, those are possibilities. Now, what is the status of Ponzinibbio right now? Because... Like, Ponzinibbio is good, but it seems like something is, is always happening with him. Like, he gets hurt or something. I think they're kind of looking at him to be in the main event or heavily featured on that Uruguay card. Okay. I don't—no uh, one's really been attached to it, but— You would agree he's, he's due for a big fight. Oh, yeah. Overdue, actually. Like, two fights ago, he was due a really solid okay. opportunity that just, for reasons, never came to be. Um, Darren— Darren Till might not be a bad idea here. Till's an option. Uh, again, uh, again, Edwards kind of got tossed about because Leon Edwards is kind of due a shot nearer the top. I agree. And Dos Anjos might be the guy that is in that position. So, Well, again, I would that, say welterweight is pretty solid right now, though. It's a really solid division, yeah. You're not hurting for options. We have a lot. We do have a lot of good options, Moving around there. And there's a lot of up-and-coming talent as well. Um, if you wanted to do a rematch, you could do Pettis. Uh, I'm not really keen on that one. Uh, they announced Pettis' next fight. Who's uh, who's Pettis fighting again? Well, for, take this for whatever it's worth, but they've announced him and Nate Diaz for oh, the that, Anaheim card. How did I totally for, Yeah, that. I think, I think in my mind, I don't even believe that fight's real. I feel about it like I feel about every other UFC fight at this point. I'll believe it when they get in the cage. Yeah, so... I'm I'm done getting really hyped about fights. We should probably keep Dosanjos on deck as a replacement for Diaz, don't you think? Well, he's beat both of those guys. So you could do the rematch at 170. Exactly. And frankly, I think he'd beat them again. Um... He's just a terrible style that matchup. Was one of my, of that was one of my favorite performances ever when he was literally slapping Diaz around. Oh, that was so great. Oh, it, it, Diaz a bit of the whole Stockton slap. Nate came in really heavy for that fight, too, if I remember a, correctly. I believe, yeah, I believe he did come in heavy for that fight. Um... So yeah, keep keeping Dos Anjos either on deck for one of those higher profile fights that could have issues coming up or Honestly though, I think if, if hypothetically, if he were to face Till, I think he's a horrendous matchup for Darren Till. 
I don't know. I'm torn on that one just because if if RDA is the one going forward, yeah, he's a nightmare for Till. On the other hand, RDA is one of the best fighters in the world going forward. Going backwards, not so much. And Darren Till is really good about applying forward pressure. He hasn't been that good lately. I mean, he's on a bad streak, but... Well, I mean, that's why this could be an interesting fight, because... Dos Anjos was on a bit of a, a bad skid for a little bit there, and he snapped it. And until now, Till need, now Till needs to get out of the doldrums. So I find that interesting, but it depends on how they want to match these guys up next. They might want to give Till a softer touch, but I mean, frankly, if I'm Till, I might try my hand at middleweight. Eh, true. I mean, again, maybe not forever, but at least a fight to see how things feel. I don't know what you do with Kevin Lee now. I mean, there's plenty of guys at welterweight for him to fight, but that's this is what his third could start the could start the 165 division. I mean, I'd be okay if they did, frankly. I mean, yeah, Lee is one and three in his last four. Um, just not he's, in a very I mean, good spot. It feels like he's plateauing a little bit right now. Yeah, I think. I think he needs a change of scenery a little bit, and I don't want this to come across as insensitive, but when Robert Fallis passed, I think a lot of his success came from the connection that those two had, and Fallis was really a guy who kind of understood Lee and understood how to maximize him, and since that, and since he lost that, I think he's kind of been floundering a bit in the preparation and coaching stand. Do you ever stand. think it was the same with uh, Sam Stout and Sean Tompkins? And there were a few guys with with Tompkins that, that were kind of like that. Right. Uh, Horodeki. Sorry, not Horodeki. Um, I mean, Horodeki too, but for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, God, who was that guy who just Jose Aldo? Sam Stout was never an elite guy, but, you know, he had his moments in, in the UFC. Yeah, Stout did. Um. God, who was that guy that Jose Aldo just clubbed to death in his first UFC oh, fight? Uh, Hominick, Mark Hominick. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Another guy who just very, very. And again, when you get coaches and when, fighters that have that kind of relationship, it's a tough thing to move on from in a lot of respects. So I, I think, I mean, Lee's a young guy, which is kind of the only saving grace in some respects. I think for him at this point, he's he can, only 26. Yeah. If he, he he can still grow, he still has time to grow if he applies himself. Yeah, I think he's I think when he finds the right coach the right you know you know coaching situation, he, he's there's clearly a lot of potential, but he's gotta figure that out because right now I don't think his coaching his coaching and preparations is doing him a lot of favors. But considering how obstinate UFC is about having title fights for main events for what have you. That's why I believe sooner rather than later, they're going to create new weight classes. Um, and because Dana White says they're never going to do it makes me, that just makes me think even more. They will do it at some point. Yeah. And again, 165 is probably the best one you can have. If you get the talent pools at welterweight and lightweight are deep enough to accommodate that. And moreover, well, if you get guys that will just move between them as necessary. Because look, Kevin Lee, he's too, he's, he's obviously too big for lightweight at this point. 
because he's cutting too much weight for lightweight, and he's he's probably a little too undersized for welterweight. You would probably agree with that. Oh yeah, yeah. he is. Um, yeah, once like he and Dos Anjos both like one sixty five is actually the right. I think their optimal weight. Not that in you in look. I don't know how much time Anthony Pettis realistically has yet for his career, but he'd probably be in that same boat. He'd try his hand at it, but Pettis has always been at his best at lightweight. He just had other issues. Like, the game just passed him by. Yeah. There's Again, there's a few guys that fall into that category. Um, Jorge Masvidal would probably do a lot of work at 165. I mean, you say that, but he's one of the top guys at well. He's been consistently one of the top guys at welterweight recently. And he's he's also been visibly undersized. I mean, he... He, were, he fights through it. Never, I mean, look, it, it's MMA. It's not um, It's not a size contest. And the, and the bigger fight, we've seen time and time again, the bigger, stronger fighter isn't always going to win. And sometimes being the bigger guy can be a, just as big of a, a mark against you as a benefit. Free, we've seen that frequently. Okay, it's not... It's certainly not the only thing, but again, I think Mosfidal at 165 would probably, again, that's probably about his ideal weight class, weight class given his frame. So again, there's a lot of guys who could try their hand at that. So, I mean, heck, Khabib could probably, <laughs> heck, would probably be very successful at 165. How do you want to tackle the rest of this card? Uh, I don't mind just doing quick hits. There's not yeah. a whole lot else worth really diving into here. I agree. Um, Ian Heinish defeated Antonio Carlos Jr. via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Uh, initially, I scored this a draw. I gave uh, Shoeface a 10-8 first, which eh, was a marginal call on my part, but I felt okay about it. Um, Heinish kind of came out of nowhere and is really... His, he's only had two fights in the UFC, but he's beaten uh, Cesar Fajaya and Antonio Carlos Jr. And that's a rough two-fight stretch in the UFC. And he's he's gritted through some tough spots in both fights. He's He might be someone to kind of pay attention to because I, there's a lot I'd like to see his game evolve through. But he clearly knows how to fight, and he clearly has a lot of potential. Uh, Felicia Spencer defeated Megan Anderson via rear naked choke in the first round. It is time to abandon the Megan Anderson hype train for those of you who were on it. Uh, That is, she makes shockingly bad decisions defensively, especially on the ground. I just really, really bad. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Featherweight is in a very weird spot in that there's not really a division. The UFC just hosts fights within it a couple of times. So we'll see. I mean, Cyborg seemed interested in fighting Spencer. And if you're going to continue having a few fights within 145, you may as well. I mean, Cyborg's basically your only quasi-attraction if Nunez sticks by her statement that she's never fighting at 145 again. Uh, Vicente Luque defeated Derek Krantz via TKO in the first round. Uh, Krantz took this fight on fairly short notice. Um... Luke was supposed to fight Neil Magny in the co-main event. Neil Magny failed a drug test. Uh, we'll maybe get into that a little bit more later. He was pulled out. Krantz steps in. Uh, Krantz came out guns blazing, and he 
took it to Luke for about a minute and a half. But after Luke just kind of weathered the storm, he turned on the offense. And uh, Luke a very underappreciated fighter. I mean, he has like two losses in the UFC. He's now on a five-fight winning streak. Uh, it's it's pretty insane. He's like nine and one in his last ten, and that one loss is to Leon Edwards. Uh, Luke, again, I understand he was supposed to fight a bigger name in a big in a higher profile situation here. Uh, I hope they try to give him another shot along those same lines. Uh, Luke might have actually. I think Luque, uh, after his win, said he'd be willing to fight in the main event for the Uruguay card, which would be him and which is theoretically him and Ponzinibbio, which I would be, I'm fine with that fight. I give both. That's a good. That's a good opportunity for both guys. Luque is another one of those young rising guys who just kind of came out of nowhere. Now he's got five wins in a row, and I think he's got a pretty impressive. Resume overall, I think that's. Yeah, he's again like nine and two in the nine UFC. Nine and two. He lost like, his. Not, he, yeah. He lost so, his debut to Michael Graves, but he won four in a row after that. Lost to Edwards, and that was won five in a row. Like, I mean, no matter which way you slice it, that's impressive. Yeah. Even against you know some of those opponents are lesser opposition, but. To get nine and two with welterweight in the UFC, like you're due for some bigger fights, definitely. Uh, Charles Oliveira defeated Nick Lentz via TKO in the second round. I don't know why we did this again. I I genuinely don't understand why they booked this third fight between these two. The other two weren't. I get that the illegal knee in the first fight was was what caused it to change into a no contest. Uh, they waited years to run it back anyway. Oliveira won without, I mean, he finished him in, what, the third round? This was just a weird fight. Oliveira wins again. Um, I don't know. Give Oliveira someone who's, you know, in the top 15. Let's, if we're going to do something, I mean, for God's sake, Charles Oliveira is still not even 30 years old. And he's been fighting forever. But, you know, let's, let's try moving this along a little bit uh, instead of just wasting time. He into the UFC really young. Yeah. Very. And didn't he beat like Evan Dunham and uh, yeah, Efrain Escudero back to back? He did. God, it was forever ago. That was back in 2010. Jeez, nine years. Drives me crazy that two- <laughs> the 2010 is nine years ago now. Dude, I still know people who think that the 90s were 10 years, that, you know, like <laughs> the 80s were. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, it like, and, you know, 10 years ago was not actually the 90s. I think the good news is, is that Oliveira has settled in it at um, lightweight. I would just like to see him step up and fight, see if he can fight and beat higher level competition again. I heard uh, Gregor Gillespie bandied around as something that just other fans were saying, and I'd be all for that, man. No one wants to fight Gregor. Nothing against Nick Lentz, but come on. He's kind of mediocre. He's done enough to hang around the UFC, but, you know, he he tends to trade wins, or he'll, he'll, he'll win two, 
lose one, win one, lose one. Yeah, he's kind of a 500 fighter at this point in the UFC. Let's see. I mean... Recently, if nothing else. He just kind of goes back and forth, and you know about the level of opposition he's going to beat, and you know about the level of opposition that's going to beat him. Right. Um, Dobby I Ho- hope we never see this fight again. Yeah, I'd like... I didn't think it made sense this time. We don't need a fourth. Uh, Davi Hamos defeated Austin Hubbard via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Uh, I mean, decent enough stuff from Hamos. He's got power. He's a phenomenal grappler. And he had Hubbard rocked a couple of times. Uh, Hamos has a, developed a pretty decent left hook. Uh, his, his right still needs work, but that left hook he found on occasion. And again, his grappling is... Obviously top notch. So, what's he done lately? That's a he's on a winning streak, I think. Yeah, four. Yeah, four in a row. He's four and one overall in the UFC. Uh, it might be time to move him up a little bit from the from you know the other like debutants. I mean, he lost to uh, Chris Grutzmacher. He beat Chris Grutzmacher, Nick Hine, John Gunther, and Austin Hubbard. Like, okay, we know he can beat that level. Let's you know. Again, I'm not saying top 15, mind you, but let's get him a step up in competition. On the prelims, Aspen Ladd defeated Sajara Eubanks for unanimous decision, 30-26, 29-27, Uh This was all right. This was technically your fight of the night, which I think is more telling about the rest of this card than anything else. Uh, Aspen Ladd keeps on trucking. Uh, she's 8-0 now. Um I don't know who you would give her next specifically, but I'd someone else in the top ten. Like she was number seven, I think, coming into this fight. So let's let's get her someone else on about that that level of playing field here, because her UFC wins are what Tanya Evinger, Sajara Eubanks. I think there's one more, but it might just be those two. Let's again, let's just kind of bump that up a little bit. Uh, Desmond Green defeated Charles Jourdain via unanimous decision. Uh, meh. Michelle Pereja, oh, the wild man, defeats Danny Roberts via knockout, flying knee and punch one minute and 47 seconds into the first round. There's a highlight of this guy that's on Twitter. Uh, if you uh, look up Grabaka Hitman's timeline, and you'll see it. This man is an absolute insane human being in the cage he did an honest to god lie insult onto somebody (laughs) jumped halfway up onto the cage put his hands on the top and did a backflip off the fence uh this guy's nuts uh again knocks out danny roberts danny roberts is not an easy out and he he befuddled him and then cold cocked him so good on you pareja uh, Grant Dawson defeated Mike Trezano via rear naked choke in the second round. Uh, Dawson's striking is not good. Trezano's grappling is not all that good, but Dawson's a grappler and Trezano's a striker, so it just kind of played out. Um, Ed Herman defeated Patrick Cummins via TKO in the first round. At least it ended quickly. Uh, Zach Cummings defeated Trevin Giles via guillotine choke in the third round. I had Cummings down in this fight, and uh, he cracked Giles with a left, then grabbed that choke up as they were kind of going down, and uh, solid enough performance out of Cummings. 
And then kicking everything off, Julio Arce defeated Julian Erosa via head kick knockout in the third round. Uh, good finish from Arce. It's a shame he didn't get a bonus for that one because that was a nice kick. It was a really nice kick. All right, Jeff, any burning desires you have from that group of fights? No. All right, thanks to those of you who stopped by and followed along live or read after the fact. Uh, again, this was a badly promoted card. I can say that fairly safely at this point. There's always a couple of people who it seems for these smaller cards wind up going, wow, I didn't even know this was on until I checked 411 and saw that it was, <laughs> that. oh, hey, coverage. Um, I think ESPN has a pretty clear, they know which events they're going to put promotional effort behind and which ones they're not. And fair play to them if that's what they want to do. I'm not in a position to dictate a, you know, a multi-billion dollar sports promotion and how they do those kinds of things. Uh, but this was definitely a card that, again, like there were a lot of mismatches on this card. There were like three fights that were nearly 10 to 1 odds and one of them that was like 12 to 1 I, in favorites. I've got to be honest, though. I cannot get over the ESPN Plus service and how many commercials there are. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of commercials because they sell ad time. I'm not like it. It's a premium service, you know, it's and. If you pay for cable satellite, I mean, yes, there are networks with commercials, but like you're paying for like a package of channels. Right. And it just doesn't seem to make sense to me to have all these commercials during a premium paid subs streaming subscription service. Am I being unfair here? No, you're not the only one who doesn't like it. I just, I, I don't get it. Now, look, I would understand if they had like some paid sponsor ads during like the show, like WWE has from time to time in the past. No, they've got those too. <laughs> UFC and UFC has those. Uh, I just don't get this. Like, why? I, it just seems it. It's not doing a great job of selling me on the service. Um, and UFC Fight Pass, Robert, for all its flaws, did not have this, as I recall. No, it did not. Also, and they couldn't have sold ad space on Fight Pass if they wanted to. Well, uh, wh why was that? It's a small service. Right. This is ESPN Plus. There's plenty of people who pay a lot of money to be advertised on the networks of ESPN. That now just includes ESPN it Plus. Seems, it seems counterintuitive to me. I don't disagree. I don't like it. I don't disagree with you. I just I, I am pointing out the you know, again. Where does all the money go anyway? I mean, do you want a financial breakdown of how ESPN spends their income? I, I would. I mean, that is available. I mean, they're a publicly traded company, are they not? Yeah, if you want that, you can find they're it. Division, they're a division of the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, that isn't that is available information if you'd like to find it. Okay. It just an, it, it it's a bit it's a bit it's jarring and it's annoying that we're paying for this subscription service that's not e, that's not main ESPN and we have to 
get all these commercials. Uh, ESPN's also going to wind up, I mean, streaming is the future. So they're just going to wind up, I mean, within the next like 15 years, every streaming service will have ads. Right. That, that is mean, something of an inevitability. Look, if you, just about any streaming service that's ad supported, and, and that's fine because you're, because you're viewing the content in a browser, ad supported, but you're getting it free. However, you can pay, you can pay extra to get in to get a no ad experience. I don't think Hulu does that. Hulu used, to, I think they used to do that. I'm not sure what they do anymore. Quite Neither are they. I think everything on Hulu is almost everything is behind a paywall now. Yeah, no, for a while that's they used to have completely free content and then Hulu and then you could pay for Hulu Plus. But even when you paid for the when even when you paid for the subscription, you still had ads. So so they've moved everything behind the I'm going to tell you right now, I do plan on getting Disney Plus at the moment. But if they're going to pull similar things, I'm going to be very annoyed. I think Disney Plus is a bit more in the Netflix kind of basic setup in that. You would hope you would. Well, hope, would you well, not? Well, again, they're not going to be. I, I think one of the major differences here, it, it, like if you rewatch uh, even stuff, like, I think on ESPN Plus, even if you rewatch old events, they cut out the commercials. Do they? I I think they do. I'd have to. I haven't check checked. That. I haven't checked that far yet, but. Well, there's not enough. Like, there's not the a lot of them on there right now. Commercials so. are a huge, are a huge, huge drawback for me. Huge. Um, I imagine anything that you're accessing through like the archives on Disney Plus will be ad free, but any of their new stuff might have a commercial break, like between either between episodes or like one or two throughout a, a particular episode. Just depending on how they want to do it, because again, the issue with that ESPN Plus is running into is that they are broadcasting things, not simply providing access to them after the fact. I just wish I just wish I was in the meeting where they made this decision, and I could have been like the dissenting voice in the room, like, "Why do we want to do this?" Like it's our premium service. I mean, I think Amazon Prime when they stream, uh, when they stream sporting events, has commercials. Amazon Prime will have like an what I they they don't have the ads during the show. Like they'll have and what they do what I do see on Amazon Prime is it's like at the front and it's mostly their own it's mostly their own stuff as I recall. I haven't watched I haven't watched streaming uh, a live stream of something on Amazon Prime for a while so I I kind of they do have ads but like not but they don't I, interrupt the program. I'd, again, I'd have to double check. I also, I also know that again, there's a slight difference between bro- again broadcasting something live and uh, rewatching it after the fact, as far as what they might be contractually right. able to do for. Because I mean, again, they're paid a lot of money to by a lot of people to be advertisers on their programming. If there's two million or so subscribers to ESPN Plus, which I believe is the number they floated, then there's two million or so people that are not. That, no. that if they don't run those ads, they could open themselves up to some sort of litigation from the people who are paying hundreds of millions of dollars a year to be to have their uh, to, you can have their advertisements run on ESPN yeah, networks. Do what they want to do, but still annoys me. Again, I'm not a big fan of it either. Okay. So, all right. Um, let's see. There is no event this coming Saturday. I have no idea what I will do with that six hours of my Saturday. 
Yeah, more like seven. Yeah, play with your dog. I don't know. I will do something. I will not just cooking. You can watch some cooking channels on YouTube. I like that, Sam, cooking guy. Yeah, that's what you do. That's not. I'm. That's not. That's less my thing. You can take a cooking class. Learn how to cook some biscuits with chorizo gravy. Ugh, I don't care for chorizo. All right, but we do have a few bits of news to talk about. Um, last night, the UFC announced the latest inductee into the Hall of Fame for the class of 2019. Uh, in this case is going to be former light heavyweight champion Rashad Evans, who will be going in as well. And I think the best way I saw this described, uh, I believe this was Luke Thomas, I, I'm not entirely sure what the criteria are for the UFC Hall of Fame at this point, whether how much of your work has to be done under the UFC banner for you to be qualified for it, how much they consider people from outside of it, because they do have a few people who had very minimal UFC fights who were in. I mean, Boss Rutten's in, and he had, like, two fights in the yeah, UFC. Yeah, got into the pioneer's way. Yeah, and again, I'm just not... So again, the point being, I'm not quite sure how everything... You know, all of the selection process for the UFC Hall of Fame. That said, Rashad Evans was a very important figure for a lot of the UFC audience and I have no issues whatsoever with him going in. Oh. I mean you have a former champion uh who was also involved in a couple of the larger pay-per-views that were sold. He's uh he was he debuted Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, Rampage, Forrest Griffin, Bisbing, Dan Henderson. There's a lot of guys that he beat that are that were very very good. Um, had some very memorable finishes. I mean, everyone points to the Sean Salmon and Chuck Liddell knockouts as they're on highlight reels to this day. Some of the biggest fights in UFC history. It's undeniable. Rampage versus Rashad was a huge fight at the time. One that was for a long time like one of the most purchased pay per views ever. It was like number uh, two or three. They did. They, that did a lot of business. He was not that successful. He got the win over Forrest, and then he immediately lost it to Machida. And that was. It was. It was about ten years. It was ten years ago now. But that knockout was one of the most memorable knockouts in UFC. Oh history. yeah, that was a. That was Leo Machida's. How how can we forget the stanky leg? I mean, I maintain that was Leo Machida's best performance. Like that, yeah. that 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 fight against Rashad was the the pinnacle of Leo Machida's. Make an argument that compared to Rashad Evans, Machida probably deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame too. He'll get there eventually, I'm fairly sure, barring some massive falling out with management. He's in Bellator right now, I know, but I don't think right. there was a lot of bad blood. Right. Probably uh, mainly with Usada, but you know. He kind of beat Chuck Liddell sort of on the downside of his career, but that did sort of put him... That was basically a title eliminator. And well, that was... That was uh, I mean, right. we, I think we only look back at that as being on the downside of Chuck Chuck's it career, kind of in hindsight. Well, yeah, but Chuck had already lost a couple times at that point. And he lost to Rampage, and he lost to Jardine. But yes, this was, this was the fight. He lost to Keith Jardine. Hey, Jardine had a 
Uh, I can't say Jardine was hugely <laughs> successful. No, hang on. No, I'm not going to say he was hugely successful. Dramatic. That was a pregnant pause. But Jardine had a Jardine had a successful UFC career, all things considered. And Jardine beat some I tough mean, guys. He had a couple. I would I would say more or less he had a couple notable wins, considering his considering his drawbacks. He did okay for himself. I'll say that. But I mean, he overperformed relative. No, to... no. Liddell was coming he, at that point. Liddell was coming off of his win, and they were ready to give Liddell another title shot if he had They're... won that fight. Yeah, the winner of that fight was going to fight for the belt. Right. Yeah. So he won that fight, and then and he, forced... and he knocked, and Rashad knocked. Like that's the fight that really is like that's the last. Yeah, you know, that that that's when we all should have known it was done for Chuck because Wolf right. was that a knockout? Right. Um, I mean, his, his run to the, I mean, so his, once he got to the top, it was pretty impressive. It just kind of, he was undefeated. Look, he stayed in, and he stayed at the, he stayed at the top of the division for a few years after that. Yeah. After the Machida loss, he still turned back some of, I mean, he's the one who derailed a lot of the Phil Davis momentum was their five round fight on Fox. Totally derailed Phil Davis. Um, Phil Davis still hasn't recovered in a lot of ways. No, I think you're. I think you're right. Um, knocked out Chael Sonnen for whatever that's worth. Oh, that was so great to watch. Uh, he just smashed Chael. Beat Dan Henderson when Dan Henderson was really one of the top contenders at light heavyweight. Still, so yeah, he had a fairly eventful career. It's just. It's just unfortunate. Like once he kind of hit that wall, he dropped really quick. Yeah, we had uh, to see him lose to Sam Alvey. Yep. And try. And Dan and, Kelly. And he wait. He tried. He waited way too long to go to middleweight. Way too long. Yeah. Uh, he definitely overweighted for that, and then. Because the UFC, they were actually asking him to move down to middleweight to fight Anderson. Yeah, yeah, not too long. Like, after he lost the light heavyweight title, there was a lot of talk about him being a little bit on the smaller side, especially after the Rampage fight when Rampage was visibly larger. And John Jones. Yeah, and then John John smashed him. And then I think the, I think losing, I think it was the, I I interviewed him for the website when he fought Noguera, and that was, I think the Noguera loss is basically what derailed those plans. And then... Anderson ended up fighting Chris Weidman, and the rest is history. Yeah, so I, I have no issues with him going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, good, and he seemed genuinely moved by the announcement because he was cage side for this event. He's from the he, he's from Niagara Falls, I think. Right. And, so, and he's been a fairly good. I would say he's been a fairly good ambassador from the sport. He's a good analyst. He's been he's been an analyst almost as long as he's been a fighter in the UFC and he's done a good job with that. Yeah. They put him on the analyst desk and he's, he does a really good job for that. He brought, and he brought uh, MMA broadcasting to ESPN before years before this ESPN deal, Robert with uh, MMA live, which was a good show. I don't think I ever watched it. You um, never but I, I'll take your word for that it. That was there. That was sort of like their MMA analyst show. And wasn't that like him and Gilbert? Who wasn't that him and like Gilbert Melendez or something? 
Gilbert Melendez, I think, was on there. For, no, it was mainly Rashad and who else? Um, who's play by play now? Oh, Anik. Yeah, John Anik. Okay. It was John Anik was like the main host, and uh, Florian would be on it from time to time. I seem to recall. Yeah, fl- yeah, it was usually like Florian or and or Rashad ish. But yeah, it was a good it was a good program for its time. Um. I think it was really the Fox deal that killed that show. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Fox deal killed a lot of stuff. But I mean like they I mean they for a while they were on ESPN too. So So just think about that. They got like they got MMA onto ESPN well before well before this uh broadcast deal got sorted out. And Rashad does a lot of coaching now with uh Yeah. Uh, what what's the he, he's part of what uh, what is it, uh, Henry Hoof's team I think Hard Knocks three sixty five right it it was one it was one of those camps that sprung up after the Black Zillions fell apart Black Black Zillions was was falling apart from the beginning so yeah after it officially dissolved uh, he so he does a lot of work with them I mean yeah. he and he and Kamaru Usman are apparently pretty close I mean despite his lack of title success I don't think you can really argue too hard against him getting this induction. Uh, all right. So here's the news I was referencing earlier. This is not official, but the word is from ESPN is that uh, Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar have both verbally agreed to a featherweight title fight uh, for the Edmonton card in July. Uh, so, 240, right? Two, four, yes, this is 240. Uh, it's not confirmed. It hasn't been announced yet, but this appears to be the direction they're going in. And I guess because Volkanovsky, he's still hospitalized. Last I read, he was still hospitalized. From uh, I believe they mentioned he was going to be discharged right. uh, today. I think was he was he assaulted by some Brazilians after beating Jose Aldo? Did they? No, just got a blood infection. <laughs> are we sure this? Are we sure this wasn't foul play here? I mean, I'm not going to say it's a complete impossibility. The universe is a crazy place, but... Are we sure it's safe for him to stay down there? They might not let him leave. Well, he was in Chile. Uh, he was hospitalized in Santiago the, uh, during a layover. Um, when they left Brazil, he was complaining about uh, just general like pain and uh, some swelling in his feet. I mean, I hope it's not serious and he doesn't have like a blood clot or something. Uh, apparently, again, he's responded well to treatment. He seems to be, you know, like his manager mentioned, they were looking at discharging him. I think what causes today. a blood infection, Robert. Depends on the type of infection. Uh, you, it, do, do they know the cause here? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, they traced it. I think the location back to just a cut he had on his foot that just got infected. Okay, so 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 it's like an infection from a cut. Well, there's different, again, there's different kinds of infection, and a lot of that depends on the it's bacteria like, or the virus. I think in this cut. case, it was a bacteria that you pick up. When you ha- well, yes, when you have a cut, like you're, you have an open wound in your body that's basically exposed, like there's germs in the air. There's germs and bacteria in the air, and once you have a cut, like it can easily get in, it could easily get into your bloodstream or your body. Or am I, or am I totally off here? No, and again, I I don't know specifically what he had. They said blood infection, which does 
limit down these because you know like different types of bacteria will live in the muscle yeah, the sure muscle tissue around a claw around there Aldo fans did not intentionally pass along this bacteria I'm, uh, i mean look I'm it's just, a well-known fact that the mats for training in brazil are like just soaked in staff sorry bad joke but so this could be some similar to something like staff well i mean st- staff is a bacterial infection it just behaves differently because Right. Uh, staff is more localized by and large. Uh, it, it does affect, it does spread throughout the body, sick. but it, it can get very serious though. Oh yeah. Staff can. And blood infections are very serious too. Like that will kill you relatively quickly if unchecked because it travels throughout the entire body rather than being localized to an area. So um, he, again, he, they, when they landed in Chile for a layover, he just kept me, there was still something wrong with one of his feet. It was very swollen. It was very red. So they checked him into a hospital. They kept him for a few days. They gave him a course of treatment. He seems to be responding well. And again, last I heard, uh, which was uh, reports from his manager, they were looking at release at discharging him either. T- uh, I want to say it was today. I saw this last night. So it would be today or tomorrow that he's probably going to be discharged yeah. and then returned to home to Australia. Now, with all that in mind, I can kind of understand booking Edgar versus Holloway again. However, this fight has already been booked twice before, and it's already fallen through twice before. So I hope it doesn't happen again if if they are going forward with it this, this time. Uh, I Especially because this card is set for my birthday. Yeah, I'm non I'm generally nonplussed by the fight. I think it's I think the first time they booked it, I was pretty up for it because it made was, sense at the time. It not only made sense, Frankie asked some questions of Max that I had not seen him answer. Okay. That's not the case anymore. Okay. Uh, this is. Oh, God. I don't want to say this is an easy or a get well fight for Max because it's Frankie Edgar. Like, Frankie Edgar is not an easy fight for anybody. He's no joke. But. After the war with Poirier, Frankie is unlikely to deal the same kind of damage that Dustin is. I won't and, go and that let me, And let me be clear. Okay. Frankie can win the fight. I'm not denying that. And Frankie's been known to bring... Frankie will bring war if necessary. But he's not known for tremendous punching power. He's not known for blood and guts brawls. And not to say that he well, can't do that. Hang on. Not to say that those don't exist on his resume. We can find them. That is not the average Frankie Edgar fight. What I would say is this. I heavily favor Holloway in this fight. Ditto. I could be wrong, but even after the, even, even considering I was wrong about the Poirier fight, I I still favor Holloway here. Yeah, I, I favor Max. But we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't say heavily, heavily, but I'm not uh, um, without too much reservation. I don't accept any fight except the title fight next. Yeah, Volkanovski's. I mean, even after the fight with Aldo, he mentioned uh, the upcoming because there's an Australia card in August, I believe, is what they've announced. Well, if this fight's happening July 27th, there's no way either guy would fight in August. Uh, barring a really fast finish, and neither guy is known for that either. Uh, let me double check, make sure I have my dates right. 
Is uh, oh no, October. Excuse me, it's October fifth. Is October the Sydney car. October? Maybe I could see it turning around, but let let's see if Holloway can ha- can make this weight cut again without without issue because he just fought at lightweight. So we have to wait and see on that because Holloway Holloway's career was in a bit of a just a weird, a weird spot. Like it was just, questionable. I was very worried for a little while that he might never fight again. Yeah, there was there was some weirdness there. Uh, that said, a card headlined by Whitaker versus Adesanya with a co-main event of Volkanovski and Holloway is a that's a darn good one-two punch for the top of your card, especially for pay-per-view. If it holds together. Eh, true. I mean, again, that's like. The eternal caveat at this point. <laughs> so there's. One gets angry when I talk about regulating training camps. Yeah. Uh, do we want to address what happened with Neil Magny here? Uh, you know, since we're talking fights, hang on. Let's talk briefly. Uh, okay. Tyron Woodley fell out of the fight with ro- the rematch with Robbie Lawler. Now I don't know if this is true. Ariel Hawani posted on his Twitter that. And a bout agreement had never even been signed for that fight. And it was the headliner for ESPN3. Uh, a, that actually wouldn't surprise me, <laughs> just to be quite honest. Um, B, that being said, if they had verbal agreements in place and they were just like finalizing you know, fees, uh, you know, fees or whatnot, or there were just some other stuff that we're negotiating prior to the actual event... I think if you make the poster and you advertise it, you should have something written down. Something should be written in writing. Well, I mean, that would be a smart business practice, but uh, this is not the first time the UFC has had that particular issue. Granted, Woodley's injured and out of the fight anyway, but it just sounds very... I hesitate. Now, the the UFC is not afraid to put public pressure on fighters by just promoting them for events that they haven't signed for. I They've done the, that. In the I past. don't want to call it a Bush league move, but I think it's kind of like an amateurish move, you know, to do that. Okay, it's That's not my favorite thing. What was that? It's not my favorite thing at all, but, um, so yeah, Woodley's out of that fight. Uh, Lawler as of now is still in for the main event, but he does not have an opponent. So, If RDA's down, we could do that quick turnaround to get the rematch between Lawler and Dos Anjos. See, the good news for the UFC here is that the fight is June 29th, so they have a little bit of time. They have a little over a month, yeah. So, Uh, this happened now instead of, like, the week of. Because then they'd be up. Well, look, Damian Maya's already booked for the card. Do you want Damian Maya versus Lawler? Not especially. Uh, Lawler's fighting, uh, sorry, Maya's fighting Anthony uh, Rocco Martin, and frankly, I am more interested in that fight than I would be in Maya versus Lawler. What about Martin fighting Lawler? I mean, that'd be a big step up for Martin. He's on a winning streak. He is, and it's not a trivial one. I mean, it's a Robbie Lawler fight. Like, there's a degree of me that's just always going to be interested in the Robbie Lawler fight. So you could bump up either of those two into that, and it could be, and you could kind of make it make sense. Uh, what else do we have for the well, rankings? Who is not booked right now? Yeah, ben Askren have... is booked. 
Uh, yeah, Askren and Masvidal are booked. Um, Dar- what is Darren? Is Darren Till booked? I don't think Darren Till is booked yet. Uh, Stephen Thompson isn't booked. I don't know if Thompson would take that fight. I mean, he Ponzinibbio. Again, I think they might have plans for Ponzinibbio later in the year, but hmm. I'd be I look if they can get him to sign. You put Ponzinibbio and Robbie Lawler in a cage. Sign me up, man. Those two will. I, those I two like, will swing. You know, I like Ponzinibbio, right? And I'm like, I feel like he's been denied this for quite a while. Like he's been doing good for a while. Yeah. Again, if Pon, if he's if if they can all agree on that, as far as just you know being a fight, you know Ponzinibbio and Lawler. Oh yeah, I am. Okay, I am okay. all. I am down for that. Good scenario, Mike Perry. Perry's tripped about it, and I mean, look, is Perry the most deserving meritocratically? No, but would Perry and Lawler just be a great blood and guts brawl? Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Again, I lean towards Ponzinibbio, but... Felder? What weight is he fighting at now? Oh, he's back at lightweight, so... Eh. I think either of those would be good fights, quite frankly. If Felder w- would go up, but didn't they sign? Didn't Felder sign something recently? He might have. I think I remember hearing that he had or was in talks James for it. Vick. He fought. He fought James Vick at ESPN One. I don't think he's. Well, he had that. He had that broken rib that like punctured a lung after <laughs> that too. He's got his next fight yet, so. Um. Just from an optics standpoint, like, they could just do, okay, here's my Perry Lawler violence. Like, I could see that. Hey, I'm down for Perry Lawler violence. I don't know if Lawler would agree to it, but it could, from a fan-friendly standpoint, that could possibly work. Well, again, you brought up Ponzinibbio, and Ponzinibbio hasn't had a boring fight, so... I love Ponzinibbio, and I want to, I mean... I I would if that if that timing works out if there's not some other issue we're not aware of Ponzinibbio and Lawler is probably the best thing they could do given I the available agree. given the available options give, give Ponzinibbio a shot already like you know uh, if you go further down the list um, I know he pulled out of the Magni fight with a minor injury but if he's healthy in time I mean Elizu Zaleski dos Santos uh, or Vicente Luque who you know. One yesterday, right? So Dos Santos, Luque, Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio is actually ranked above Lawler. So that it's just who's healthy right now, who's ready, who's ready to fight. Sorry. If you can make it work, give me Ponzinibbio and Lawler. I'm 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 down for that. Yeah, that's. But is Ponzinibbio healthy, and is he ready for a fight yet? Again, like if that's if that's an available option, in my estimation, that's the best available right. option. I agree. So Ponzinibbio would be my first choice. Mike Perry would probably be a slight. Would be a set. Would probably be second. Just okay. We can't get Ponzinibbio. Just book a bloody brawl. Yeah. And again, like as a fan of violence, I'm not. I'm never going to complain about. Robbie Lawler and Mike Perry. Uh, those two are maniacs, and I, I love them for it. So, but that does, again, so we don't have a main event now for UFC on ESPN3. Uh, 
the rest of that card is there's a few decent fights there, but there's a fly <laughs> between Juicy A Formiga and Joseph Benavides. Look, I said this before. They're just going to cut the loser and make the winner fight at bantamweight. We all know you're not keeping this division, guys. Dana White came out and said, yeah, we're going to keep flyweight. So we know it's gone. It's like the railway to nowhere. Oh, God. Like, And again, Dan- I know Dana White's made some noise about, yeah, we're going to keep 125. You're full of crap. You're sa- I-, I don't know why you're saying it. Can you guys even fight at bantamweight? I mean, he'd be a very, very middling bantamweight. He's he's just too small. I mean, frankly, at this point, I know Benavidez had a run at bantamweight earlier, but given the way the division has developed since his run at bantamweight, yeah. he might be too small to find sustained success at bantamweight at this point. Yeah, the way the way it's panned out now, and he's he's much older now. Yeah, and, and I mean, again, I'm not knocking Benavidez's skills, but even when he had his good runs at bantamweight, he was visibly the smaller his, fighter his in all. Run, of- his run at the top at bantamweight was what ten years ago, about that long, right? Probably more. Jeez. And he he was doing good at bantamweight when he first, but he was one of the early adopters into flyweight, so. Uh, he was he was a uh, he was an advocate for that division being introduced in the first place. Right. But because he knew he I mean you he talk to him now still, he knows he's a small he knows he's a small he bantamweight. Still top five when he moved down. He was yeah. still top five. So he had that going. But that was but that was years ago when he wasn't thirty four years old. And when bantamweight didn't look the way it looks now, um, bantamweight looks a lot different now than it did then. Right. So tough. It is. It's a really tough spot. I feel bad for a, a lot of the flyweights who put on good fights. You know, there's a lot of very talented guys in that division, and the UFC's released a bunch of them. I mean, the UFC's official flyweight rankings at this point, I think, have guys in the top 15 who are either who have either yet to debut or have like one or have like two fights. It's it, it's. It just sucks. But uh, there's a few other decent kind of fights on that card. Vince Pichel and Roosevelt Roberts will probably be fun. Chaz um, is fighting. I like Chaz Skelly. Chaz Skelly is good for a gra- good for a scrap. Uh, Justin Ledet's fighting, which can be pretty good. Jared Gordon's fighting, and Jared Gordon I don't think has had a boring fight in the UFC thus far. So it's not a bad card. Um, it's not. They're really relying on the main event to kind of sell you on it, but it's not the worst card in the world. Uh, all right. Did any other. I don't think any other major fights kind of got announced or discussed lately. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose we can talk a little bit about Neil Magny if you'd like. Um, so he was supposed to fight. Uh, last night, but he was pulled because of uh, an apparent failed drug test with USADA. He was in the co-main event. Yeah, he was supposed to fight Luke. Um, He released a statement. As many of you know, I had to withdraw from my scheduled bout against uh, Vicente Luque on Saturday, May 18th. I want to apologize to him. 
uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not afraid to admit when I am in the wrong. On Saturday, May 11th, I received an email from USADA stating that I had been flagged due to an out-of-competition drug test. The flag was due to a metabolite of the substance dehydroxy-LGD-4033. I have fully cooperated with USADA thus far to determine how this substance was found in the sample I have provided them on May 5th. So it's not, to so I guess it's one of those cases where it's a provisional uh, suspension and there is a due process situation here. So he, he will be allowed to argue his case, I imagine. Yeah. Um, again, there's a lot of evidence still to be gathered and I'm not gonna, I mean, look, I won't throw fighters under the bus. Uh, for this, because I again, I'm prepared to wait for the totality oh, how, of evidence to come how out. But again, our metabolites, Robert. Well, because it wasn't until early. that I <laughs> it wasn't until the last few years that I started hearing about metabolites. Uh, it, they're pretty. I mean, for some reason, I don't know why no one phrased it the way they did before, but that's always kind of been what they find when the vast majority of drug testing, they very rarely find a like a synthetic substance that you inject just floating out in your body because your body absorbs it, metabolizes it, right. and puts it to use. What you find are the remnants of and evidence that it has been absorbed into your body. So that's kind of always what it was. Uh, the wording never used metabolites in these statements until fairly recently. I don't know if that was just a general push to be more correct with the language or what, but... I think a lot of it started because when, when you're talking about a lot of PEDs, it's mm -hmm. people just kind of under, I don't know if there was just a general understanding that what we found was mostly metabolites rather than the active substance in your body, or there was just a lack of scientific okay. literacy. I think a lot of it started with um, when when a lot of the kind of controversy sprang up around the marijuana testing that was done in the right. in MMA. And so now they, and I think now it's just in an effort to be more accurate with the language that they present as far as that goes, rather than, and it, so I agree, it's definitely a more recent trend as far as that goes. I think Neil Magny's going to have a bit of a hard road to go here because the substance he failed for uh, is a, I believe it's an estrogen blocker. So it's, pre so in th the theory being that it would be primarily a cycling uh, component by which I mean something that helps you cycle. If you're on synthetic hormones, I'd have to double check. It might be an estrogen booster rather than suppressor. Wikipedia says it's an investigational selective androgen recept receptor modulator for treatment of conditions such as muscle, muscle wasting and osteoporosis. Um, yeah, th this is a full blown steroid. For the record, like anything that is primarily used to treat wasting diseases, because steroids promote muscle growth. That's what they're supposed to do. But uh, some guys are some guys are proving. I mean, Anderson got off with a slap on the wrist for freaking for a, a very powerful sarm. Like, there's I mean, not a lot of consistency are, here around this. So, having, but some guys are having success with the whole tainted supplement route. I if mean, they can, and again, if they can prove it then fair play. I, because, and again, 
for those of you unfamiliar with the procedure when a fighter claims a tainted supplement, they do not. Uh, the investigative process does not take the fighter at their word. They take this. They test the material that the fighter has. They then go independently and buy a a segment of that same product from the same batch. So again, if you're not familiar with the process, you make a bunch of this crap. You Phone it all into bottles. You sell it at GNC or whatever. But all it, again, it all comes from a specific batch number. So when they test these, they go buy another separate another separate instance of whatever the material in question is. So say I don't know the names of any of these things. So for the sake of conversation, let's say uh, I don't know Muscle Boost. There's probably something stupid named that. So if that's something that Magni is saying is tainted, they'll test his his you know like what he has to make sure that it's actually in there, not just Cialis from a Chinese website. Oh God, let's not go into that. <laughs> then, but then they go buy another again another uh, like another bottle of this same material from the same batch independently and test it for that and test it and test that particular sample as a means of establishing that this was contaminated at the source rather than simply by the fighter uh, either, either by the in, by the fighter or their camp it would and there's still a few other things they do but that's part of the procedure here so again I'm prepared to see if they and again if they if this other you know samples of the same batch for this same supplement come back tainted then Neil Magny will have bit just then he will have again at that point provably taken a tainted supplement and that sucks and I'm glad I am glad that USADA does actually investigate this crap so again I'm prepared to wait until all the evidence comes out but at the same time this is of all the materials that you tend to fail for with the tainted supplement excuse this is a pretty gnarly one so I hope I hope that's all it is uh, for Neil Magny's sake, because... Chosen one. He was supposed to be the future champion, Neil Magny. Look, I, I had people within the Neil Magny fan club, reach out, of which I used to be president, reach out to me and vehemently deny all of this. They're calling it a witch hunt. <laughs> they are They are not prepared to accept... They are prepared to support an investigation because they do not believe that Neil Magny is guilty of this particular charge so again and i'm prepared to let the investigation run its course you know that that's why there is that's why we have these procedures in place so we'll see what happens but all right moving on from that uh former champion conor mcgregor has had one operative word one of his legal issues resolved because i think he has multiple legal issues going on right now depending on where you are in the world yeah and this is uh, the one over the cell phone breakage thing. Oh, yeah, they dropped the charges on that. Charges right? were dropped over that, according to the Miami Herald. Dude will probably sue Connor, get a small settlement fee, or they, or um, the court will, or the court will order to pay him the cost of replacing the phone, something stupid like that. So prosecutors dropped charges of robbery by sudden snatching and criminal mischief after the victim stopped cooperating with prosecutors. Khalil Madani. Uh, the prosecutor announced the move in court on Monday. The victim of the crime does not wish to return to the U.S. and prosecute his case. 
Uh, so this is resolved, but I think Connor still has multiple uh, things going on here that are yet to be resolved. So there, yeah, there's still stuff he's there's still stuff he's being investigated for. But you know, again, that was I believe that was the felony uh, that he that was reduced in this instance. So I think we kind of expected this, though. I don't think we. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think. It, I didn't expect him to be convicted of a felony. I expected something small, you know, again, something along these lines. I mean, not to accuse any impropriety here, but it wouldn't shock me if Connor just like mailed the guy a check to replace the damaged property in exchange for him, for him, you know, contributing to the charges being dropped. And in fairness, or his manager could have done that. Not yeah, yeah, again, like some, I say Conor McGregor, not necessarily him personally, but, you know, someone associated with the business of Conor McGregor. Right. And look, that's personally, that's all that I think would be fair in this situation is, you know, right, you broke my phone, you jackass. It, Replace I mean, it. I'm not a big Conor McGregor fan, but I can't, you know, the way I read about it, I didn't really fault him that much for this, even though I do think he's a nutcase. Uh, I mean, like, like my thing is just all right. You did something stupid. You you destroyed someone else's property. I don't like that. You know, you compensate the guy for the damage. I don't damages, know. The way uh, I heard about the, the alleged victim here, he didn't really sound like a kind of choir boy to me. He didn't sound. He didn't come I mean, off it's, as it's great. Miami. Their choir boys aren't even choir boys. <laughs> uh, I. It, it sounds like he's he wasn't even a Miami native because it because it's they make it sound like he. He didn't even. He wasn't even a U.S. citizen. Is the prosecutor saying he does not want to return to the U.S.? So whatever that means. Uh, that yeah, I'd have. Uh, I didn't see the statement personally. That could also mean that. That could also be in reference to Connor oh, not wanting oh, to uh, come the back. Victim, the alleged victim, uh, Ahmed uh, okay. Abdurzak, lives in England. And Madani said that Abdurzak. Who lives in England recanted his story. Okay. So uh, what, take that for what it's worth. Given the video evidence we have at this point, all that means is he decided he didn't want to continue with for whatever reason. He could have been he, threatened by someone in his in his entourage. I don't know. He could have been threatened again. He could have been paid off. He could have just had a change of heart. He he could have decided he just didn't want to travel all the way back to the United States to deal uh, and you know well, deal with all the lawsuit. He did, but it, I. he also might not have known how long it was going to take. And again, I imagine there was a fair bit of just, you know what, you broke my phone. That's not cheap. Please replace it. And then right. if that was... Con- and Smartphones are not cheap, folks. I mean, look, uh, this has been mentioned before, but the statute, uh, the difference between destruction of property being a misdemeanor and destruction of property being a felony is purely established by the monetary value of the item being destroyed. Every single smartphone costs enough to constitute a felony if you destroy someone else's property. So be aware of that, guys. Get into a fight and you break someone's phone, there might be something else attached to that. Just throwing it out there. But yeah, I mean, that was a lot, there was a lot of nothing there for me from a, you know, from a legal standpoint, from a PR standpoint and whatnot. I mean, this was kind of always what was going to happen. It was going to get reduced. He was either going to get off or take a very, very minor plea, reimburse the guy for the damages he caused, and we were all going to move on with our lives. Uh, All right. Anything else that came up this week? Because I'm drawing a 
We talked about. Did we talk about Diaz and Pettis last week? Um. Or was that this week that that got announced? I think that was this week. I think it was right after. Well, if we talked about it last week, it's not going to. I don't think we did. Yeah, I don't mind talking about it briefly. Then it's a big uh, fight. Um, if it happens. If it happens, don't get me uh-huh. again. There's only so much we can, you know. Who do you pers- favor in that fight, though? Um, that's a tough one, man. I can see how each guy wins. Like that, this is one of those instances. Pettis has very good kicks. He fights from either stance. He has good leg kicks. He has good body kicks. And Nate Diaz is allergic to leg kicks. But yeah. Pettis is also a, he's not a combination guy. He's a, he's a sniper. He's one and done. And he's hittable. He's hittable. He struggles with pressure. He struggles with guys bigger and longer than he is. Steven Thompson, prior to, lo- prior to getting knocked out, was giving him all kinds of problems with just a jab more than anything else. Uh, if Nate can keep his leg from being completely compromised, I can see him walking Pettis down and just kind of boxing and beating him up. I think that's a very, very possible outcome. If the fight happens, and that is the operative word here, which we have to use if in this case. If it happens, uh, I'm probably going to pick DS, but we'll see. I don't have a lot of faith it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you look at those two. I will say this in favor of Nate Diaz. Nate's, again, got a history, has earned a history. But when he signs on the dotted line, when he actually signs a bout agreement, I think he always shows up. Getting him to sign is a problem, but once he does agree to fight, he ten, I believe he's always shown up to fight. I don't think he's ever pulled out of a fight. I don't know why they just don't do the trilogy fight with McGregor. I don't know either, but... It just seems to be that would be the best choice for both... Oh, well, McGregor's technically retired, a yuck. But it seems like that would be the best move for both guys right now. I agree. I mean, it's a big fight that will do a lot of business. Uh, the winner gets back in, gets their career back on track in a fairly significant way. I mean, Connor just got smashed pretty definitively by Khabib. Nate, what was Nate's last fight even? Jeez, was it the, was it the, was it the was McGregor the, was fight? Was the McGregor rematch? Yeah, so Nate gets uh, you know a trilogy win over the biggest star in the sport. I mean, again, I agree that fight makes a lot of sense at this moment in time for all parties concerned. Granted, but... granted the fight I really want is McGregor versus Cerrone, but well, that I would be nice. Considering that Connor isn't champion anymore and he's not fighting for the belt, the fight the fight's there. It's there and it makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's there, it makes sense, and it makes a lot of dollars. I mean, yeah. I let me be clear about this. I don't care for either of the McGregor-Diaz fights. I know, like, the second one, when it was going down, Twitter was freaking out. I was completely nonplussed by that fight. So was and, I. And, again, maybe it's just my, I don't know why, it's not a bad fight. I'm not going to pretend that it's well, terrible. I, my problem, at the time, Connor was a champion, and he wasn't, like, you know. Yeah, it, uh, been I didn't like it. I didn't like the circumstances, and even without the circumstances, that fight, like, it's not, it, I don't think it was even in my top five for the year, quite frankly. But a lot of people loved it, and I'm not going to pretend that I speak for the masses here. I don't. 
A lot of people love those two fights. A lot of people like McGregor. A lot of people like Nate Diaz. It's there's a lot of money to be made there. I think I I I don't know. Uh, when would this Diaz Pettis fight they, happen? Is it two? Uh, uh, the Anaheim card. I forget what number that is. Uh, two forty-one. Well, be a non-title three-round fight. Would Diaz be okay with that? I mean, he's signed, so he must be getting a cut of. Well, he's whatever he's getting. He's getting something. I mean, that'll probably be your co-main event, uh, Pettis and Diaz. It's just that I don't know how Diaz feels about ESPN Plus pay-per-view buys right now, but I guess we'll see. You know, I Nate, imagine, go ahead. Nate might not. Nate might be more amenable to taking a bigger cut just up front rather than pay-per-view points. If the UFC is willing to pay him that, I say good for him. And, yeah. and I mean, again, he's signed, so they came to some kind of agreement on the terms. What? We don't know what he signed. This could be another verbal agreement situation here, for all we know. Also true. Although, the last time the UFC tried that with Nate, he immediately and publicly Uh-oh. denied it. So, this card would likely be headlined by Cormier versus Stipe. Yep. With, again, Diaz and Pettis as your co-main event, and then Romero and Costa as the featured bout. Alright, provided Costa doesn't have any more... Uh, saw- hold on. Let's throw Costa in there, too. Like, these two guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, you mentioned the eye test. If that's if that's the arbiter, neither of them pass. Those are I, jacked human beings. I agree. So, uh, so uh, I, like, I like the matchup on paper. It's a, it's a really good step up for Costa. It's a really good fight for Romero to keep him around, the to keep him relevant in the middleweight division. I, I like the fight. I really do. Um, lean towards you, Romero, but Cormier in the rematch over Stipe. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, again, it's not that Stipe is incapable of winning this fight, uh, but the holes in DC's game are not holes that Stipe has historically exploited against anyone. Cormier's striking defense, especially against punches, is pretty solid. It's a little bit unorthodox. It's kind of the old mummy guard which uh, I think George Foreman rather popularized, uh, if you go back in boxing. It's a lot of straight arms that just either pick off punches or just make them deflect as the, as the lanes that you're trying to punch through become really, really awkward. Turns out it sucks at protecting you from head kicks, and that's not just a knock at DC. That's a flaw in that defensive style. Generally, he is not the only one who's used it to some success only to be kicked in the head. I still believe the only guy who can beat DC right now is John Jones. If it's not steep, if Stipe can't, and again, I favor DC, but Stipe is the only other guy I give a legitimate shot to. Like I would, I, I think, I think Cormier would have Nganu for lunch. Oh yeah. I think he would destroy it. <laughs> as, as look, as long as Nganu doesn't land that big uppercut as DC's entering. Yeah. Like Nganu has one. I think I think Nganu could land it, and DC would still win. I don't know. DC's got a really good chin. He might, but Uh, I mean, look, Nganu versus uh, Cormier plays out almost identically to Cormier versus Derek Lewis. uh, I think he would destroy Overeem if he were to actually fight Overeem. 
<sighs> over that's that's one of the ones that again just based on styles Overeem can kick and Overeem can knee yeah. and Cormier doesn't like to get hit in the body like the, if there if there's a few issues with Cormier again he's not great at blocking head kicks because of some of and that's just some of the style he's adopted he has decided to sacrifice that defensive element in exchange for being much better at dealing with punches. How often do we punches. see Overeem actually like land good kicks though in the UFC? He's more again. He's more selective with them, but he throws them. And the other issue with DC is he is a bit soft to the body. And Overeem is nasty to the body. Again, do I favor DC in that matchup? Yeah, pretty significantly. But if there's someone who just again stylistically is gonna is is poised to give him problems. Overeem timing those nasty knees as DC enters it into the body as DC tries to enter the clinch or just close distance. That body work has given him problems in the past. But again, I would favor him pretty significantly. Yeah, again, I, I don't think there's anyone at heavyweight right now who gives him a lot of problems. I think there's a reason he's looking at retirement, and part of that is there's not a lot of challenges for him left that he can reasonably expect to achieve, at least, to overcome at least. But yeah, again, 241 is a pretty decent card right now on paper, at least. I mean, we don't have a lot of fights for it, but. Assuming the ones that we do have hold together, that's a good top three fights for a card. Uh, let me see. Anything else we wanted to touch on? Because I think they got done fleshing out 239 a couple of weeks ago. I think we've talked about all those fights. That's a good card. That's a really good card. Uh, 238, we talked about Cerrone versus Ferguson being added. You know, 238, uh, that's a hardcore fans card, but it's pretty good. Uh, there's not a lot of fat on that card. Uh, oh, God, the, just very briefly, they put out a couple of uh, hype videos for 238 last night on the event, and... The one they had for Ferguson versus Cerrone was pretty darn good. Uh, it, was a, it just made me even more annoyed that fight's only three rounds instead of five. Give Tony Ferguson and Donald Cerrone five rounds to kill each other. Come on. I don't think that fight's going the distance, but it's the principle of the thing. Uh, if that, I think that's everything. So, unless there's something else that comes to your mind, Jeff. Nope. Alrighty then, what would you like to plug? Alright, so uh, this week I will be reviewing one of the most anticipated movies of the year, Disney's live-action remake of Aladdin. Uh, another review I have coming up is uh, Rocket Man, which is the biopic for Elton John. Sir Elton John, thank Sir you. Sir Elton John, I'm sorry Sir Elton. Uh, also we'll be reviewing Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, the following week also this week i'm heading to las vegas i am credentialed and will be covering for the site uh double or nothing and uh for all elite wrestling and possibly some of starcast as well 
just ma mapping out my schedule now. So very excited. Uh, hopefully it'll be easy to figure out and get a handle on things, but uh, I will be heading to Vegas to check those out and we'll be having some updates, social media updates, some, some coverage uh, from the events. So please look forward to that. Uh, also, uh, on the 411 Wrestling Interviews podcast, you can check out my latest interviews uh, with Eli Drake, excuse me, not Eli Drake, Loki and uh, Mike Canellis, which are out right now. You can listen to those on iTunes and YouTube. So check out the 411 Wrestling Interviews podcast. Uh, the two most recent interviews, Loki, Mike Canellis. Mike Canellis had a very good interview talking about his addiction issues becoming part of 205 live i think they were very good interviews loki is very intimidating robert um the man won't the man won't break kayfabe <laughs> no um an interesting interview nonetheless uh excuse me nonetheless but i was i'm a big fan of loki but it's still hard not to get intimidated when you talk even when you talk to him uh over the phone so but he's, I, I enjoy he's got, it. A, he's got one of those voices, man. You hear that when you hear his voice, like, okay. I feel like you, he you could, there, there's darkness there, man. You you've done some stuff. I felt like he could end my life over the just by talking to me. Like I felt he could destroy me just through the phone line, basically. That's kind of the vibe you get from Loki. Yeah, and uh again, Loki's dude, he's been around, man. For a long time. I think I like Detective Pikachu more than you, though. I have not seen it, so I cannot comment. But um, the movie I really did not like was Tolkien, which I also reviewed. Um, just a bad, just a really bad pedestrian, worse than pedestrian biopic. Like, why did you even make this? Um... I will say this. I really hope Nicholas Holtz is never going to play Batman. He is the last person I want playing Batman Bruce Wayne. I know people may not be too hot on Robert Pattinson. I think he, of the lot that's being considered, he's the best choice. That just tells you about the lot they're considering. Well, who would you, who would you want to be a younger Batman at this point? Oh... Uh... That's a fair question. If you could name one or two, I'd be fine with that. Christian Bell is not 30 years old anymore. I know. Um, if you wanted to continue the trend of like British guys doing it, uh, Charlie Hunnam might be an interesting Batman. Charlie Hunnam is pushing 40. I know, but he doesn't look it, which is kind of the weird thing. Um, hang on. No to Charlie, no to Charlie Hunnam. I'm sorry. Look, if I have his body when I'm his age, I will be a happy yeah, man. Yeah, the dude's, the dude's freaking yoked, and he's a decent act. I don't think he's a good fit for Bruce Wayne anyway, quite frankly. Um, jeez. Now I have... I don't know. I... How young are they going? Like, the, this is part of the consideration here. Late 20s, early 30s, basically. Now, actual late 20s, early 30s, or can play late 20s, early 30s? I mean, Pattinson is 33 at this point, so I'm th I'm thinking they're they're trying to get play late 20s, early 30s, hmm. basically. 
which is probably what they should have done with Zack Snyder, but it, you know, Zack Snyder's is Oh, who was disaster. Oh, God. You know what? Frankly, if I were doing this, I might go with someone just really off the... Who was that terrible, terrible guy? Hang on. <laughs> oh, God. That would be hilarious. Okay. This is the, well, let me be clear about this. I okay. know this is a bad idea, but it would it, I would laugh at it anyway. Um, Garrett Headland would just would just make me. I, I would die laughing, but that would that's kind of the point. I I could kill you for this. Oh oh come on! You don't want to see the guy who was just a manic ca- version of Captain Hook in that terrible pan adaptation. I mean, I don't hate Garrett Headland or anything, but. It wouldn't surprise me if he was looked at either, quite frankly. He probably was. Um, was not a fan of that. I mean. Pan? Oh, God. Pan's awful. What about Tron, <laughs> what about Tron Legacy? Eh, it was what it was. I was. I think I expected too much out, of it. It came out in 2010, too. Jeez. Yeah. At least, I mean. Yeah, I would accept. I I could accept Robert Pattinson at this point because honestly, I have seen him in a couple decent films. Uh, I have a major bone to pick with Robert Pattinson, and believe it or not, it's not the Twilight franchise. Well, what is it? Water for Elephants. Um, because seriously, that was actually a fairly successful film. Yeah, but it wasn't good. Um, okay. Look, again, I've said this before. The presence of Christoph Waltz has led me towards a lot of bad movies. That's one of them. Like Green Hornet? I No, even even Christoph Waltz could not get me to watch Uh, Green Hornet. Now, so yeah, um, I would accept Pattinson at this point because you may have forgotten a lot of people trashed Keith Ledger's casting as the Joker. I remember that I was one of them. Okay. Did you well, hate now, now? Now, did you dislike his Joker? No, loved it. Loved it to death. Okay, so and quite and I'll tell you something else. I love Chris Evans as Captain America, Steve Rogers. Love. And when he first got cast, I was very unconvinced because I'll tell you this much. I hated the live-action Fantastic Four films by Tim Story, and I did not like his Johnny Storm at all. No, there's nothing good about those movies. So, and he totally and he totally dedicated himself to that character, undeniably. I don't think even you can deny, can deny that. No, and again, I, it, it's one of those things as far as Pattinson goes. Like, I may not like it, but I'm not going to do something stupid like sign an online petition or get bent out of shape over it. Like, fine, I, I have my concerns and I'm not interested. I didn't enjoy, I didn't, I am, I'm like the only guy here I know that's going to say this. Mm-hmm. I didn't especially care for Ben Affleck's version of Batman. I, 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 it, I didn't love it either. I mean, being uh, the second best thing about Batman v Superman is not uh, is not a massive credential. And then, I mean, he was terrible in Dawn of Justice, but uh, sorry, in Justice League, right? Um, Though I, I don't know how I don't know. Like I can I, I mean, can really blame well, anyone for that. Can get over the fact that they didn't think about the Martha thing because 
it that killed the character. It was embarrassing because that that became a meme, and that became the story. The fact that they put that in there, yeah. Um, it ru- and that pretty much that ruined Ben Affleck, and then the sad Affleck thing kind of ruined him. <laughs> Um, uh, look, Ben Affleck did a lot of damage to himself. As well, well. I just and I, and I just can't get over why he did it when he, you know, his career was in the in the toilet for a while, and then he he like single handedly revived his career, became a legit filmmaker, an award winning filmmaker, and then he goes and plays, you know, superhero again. When that's what kind of got him in trouble the first time, I just don't get it. Um, eh. I mean, Audi was hurting for money at that point. It's just still crazy. It's still crazy to me. But yeah, pretty much one word pretty much ruined his Batman forever. No matter. And look, I know people defend that scene, and there are defenders of Snyder, but by and large, people could not get over how how dumb that was in this movie that's trying to be so ultra serious and dark and gritty to have that whole Martha thing it's it, it was embarrassing like seriously and it was it was out of place to begin with and even if you wanted to include it there's better ways to execute like like if you're if you're a comic fan who's been reading these things since you could read and were a kid it's like it's like Zack Snyder finally stumbled on comic books and he, and he was looking at the history of these characters. Wait a minute. Bruce Wayne's mother's name is Martha. Superman's mother's name is also Martha. That's the that's the key. That's the connection. Like by god. It's it's that's the, that's the thing that solves this whole thing. All right, so that's our tangent for the week. I had a lot of fun. Robert, thanks for all you do, and uh, I will see you all in Vegas. All right, as for me, uh, let's see. Next week we'll be back here with a preview of Fight Night 153. Uh, That's the UFC on ESPN Plus 11 card. They're in Sweden. It's an early afternoon card for those of us here in the States, depending on where you are specifically. Uh, this card is designed to annoy me. I'm fairly sure. Um, there's four light heavyweight fights on this card. I don't know what I did. I really don't. Uh, but we'll preview that next week, so I'll be enjoying my Saturday off. Uh, last week, there was a review for Detective Pikachu that I was a part of, even though I didn't see the movie. Uh, so weird. Didn't see any promotion for that movie. Then Mark gets on the thing and yells at me about the show this evening, and now there's Detective Pikachu, and I don't know. So you can listen to that. Uh, myself, Mark Radulich, Alexis Haina, and I think David Wright was there with us. We talked a little bit about Detective Pikachu, good, bad, and otherwise. This Tuesday on Damn You Hollywood, Mark and I will be discussing John Wick Chapter 3, and I'm debating how much energy I'm going to have for that show. Um just because if I really want to get into it, I know that Mark and I are going to have another shouting match. And I know I can win, because I know I'm right in this case. But uh, I haven't seen it yet. I will before I review it. And 
I enjoy the John Wick franchise. I think most martial arts fans enjoy the John Wick franchise. So I'm curious to see what Chapter 3 ha- holds for us. And I liked Chapter 3, but some of the fight scenes just went on forever. I mean, the whole movie is designed to be that. Like, I, 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 I'm more annoyed that the, I'm more annoyed when they don't have action sequences in John Wick. Uh, I like that. I like them, but a couple of them just went on and on and on and on and and on. Like, like the first one. I almost liked the first one the most because it was like well, the first first, one's the best, huh? The first one is the best. In my well, opinion, in my estimation, I mean the first the fight oh. scene, the first fight scene in the third movie was like my favorite one because it, it lasted like a minute, and and then and, and then all the other, and um the movie was a lot longer than I expected too, but but now the franchise is just blo- it's just blowing up. It's like the born it's like the first three born movies that just kept getting more and more successful. But go ahead. So yeah, we'll be reviewing that on Tuesday. Uh, I think that's it for me, though. I can't remember if it's this Friday or next Friday that we're going to be reviewing the uh, the Netflix Ted Bundy series with Zac Efron as Bundy. Uh, I haven't seen that yet either, but I again we'll see it prior to actually reviewing it. Uh, that again, that will be on a Friday. It will be me, Mark, and I think Pat Mullen is going to join us for that one. And then again, next Sunday, back here to preview Fight Night 153. So I hope you'll all join us for that. You can follow the 411 Podcasting Network on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, Say iTunes. I might have, but I'll say it again anyway. Whatever you're listening to us on, you can find the rest of the shows here, please. Again, give us a follow, like, subscribe, hurl insults. Uh, not at each other. Usually reserve that for me. Uh, always appreciated. Uh, we are trying to keep this thing going. So thank you all very much. Until then, on behalf of Jeff, I'm Robert. I'll see you next week. Until then, please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>